really thank you for what you began to do today. I pray that you would continue as you would encourage us, as you teach us, as you show us your will for our lives, leading us into a deeper relationship with you, bringing us one step closer to you in everything we do and are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Warnings. Now, warnings are everywhere. Uh, on so many types of things, driving down the road, we see the w- yellow diamond warning signs. This culture especially is full of warnings. We like to warn people. It's, it's common. It can be fun, even ways that you are all familiar with. Here's a few warnings you've heard on TV over the years. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Do you remember that one? Who said that? It was the Hulk, right? The Hulk. Remember that? How about this? Danger, Will Robinson. You've met Danger, Will Robinson. Okay. Robot had a great name. Um, Don't go into the light. Don't go into the light. Scary movies, right? On a bag of peanuts I found. Looked at the warning label. Warning. May contain nuts. We like our warnings. I got a few slides. Let's put up our slideshow, and, and, and we'll go move them ahead each time. Go ahead and turn off the front lights so we can see them. These are kind of fun. They're kind of blurry, so, so we'll see if we can pick out what, what the fun in these. Okay. I just like the, these pictures of a guy falling about to turn himself. Let's go to the next one. These are real warning signs. Crush of ri- risk. You know, you, you see this guy getting crushed. I, I looked for the one on, on Gary and Josh's uh, dump trailer out here. Josh, have you seen the little sticker of the guy laying like this and the thing crushing him on your trailer? It is hilarious. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> now, that looks painful. Keep going. Uh, that left hand doesn't look nice. We're warning on the, the kind of broken fingers. These are, I think they're kind of funny. Let's move on. That couldn't be good for you. <laughs> Let's go. Tsunami hazard zone. He's running up the hill. This is, I mean, these aren't funny. These are real hazards, right? But I've actually seen this sign now. If, if you've been to these, you've seen it. Yeah, go ahead and go up. We're warning about everything now. One more. Let's see now. Look at the hands. They're melting away. <laughs> this is not good. We like the warnings. Let's go to the next one. Now, these are beginning to get a little funnier. Warning suffocation risk. Don't put your baby in a plastic Tupperware lip box. That's, that's what that's from. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, this one says, high spin speeds. Do not put any person in this washer. <laughs> Just in case you were thinking about it. Let's go to the next one. Okay, now this one is funny. This is about stuff that's on shirts. Do not iron while wearing shirt. This is for iron-on stuff for your shirt. Let's go to the next one. Now look at this one. It says, this says, may cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify the effect. Use care when operating a car or dangerous machinery. This is for a dog. So... Alcohol will intensify the effect. The dog should not drive. 
while he's taking this medication. Thank you very much. We love our warnings. This morning we're continuing our, our journey through Colossians. We're in, at the uh, end of chapter 2. End of chapter 2. In this, in this passage, we're going to go from uh, chapter 16 all the way through 23. God, God willing and permitting and me speaking fast. Um, and we're going to talk about three warnings in this passage. There's three warnings given in this next section. In addition to the three warnings... There's three other points that I'm going to pull out, and there's a lot more than this. But there's three warnings and three points that I'll interweave throughout the messages. There we go, three and three. And so the, the three warnings are this, and I'll just give them to you now. first one is let no one judge you. The second one is let no one cheat you. The third one is let no one enslave you. And, and the first point that I want to bring, and that's separate from the warnings. So we've got warnings, and I'll just call them warnings and points. The first, the first point is found in the very first part of verse 16. And in the New King James, it says, so. And that will be my first point. In some of your versions, it says, therefore. I like it. I like therefore because whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to stop, read behind where you're reading, and see what it's there for. It's talking about something that just happened. So we're going to back up into just a little bit further into chapter 2. And I'm going to kind of go quick and lay these points out. This is from a couple of weeks ago. But we want to say, what is the therefore at the beginning of 16? Therefore, something happened, and so now we're going to go on. What happened? Going all the way back to verse 9. The foundation that, that Paul is laying here is, is that Christ is preeminent, but there was the Gnostics, the Judaizers, the, those who were pre uh, preaching asceticism, which was strict adherence to the law, bringing the Gentiles under the, the bondage of the law. And so that's the message we're going to talk about today. And so before he moves on, he says, listen, all these things happened, so now we're going to be careful. I'm going to warn you about this. Here's the therefore. First point, and, and there's, I'm going to go quick. There's, there's nine of these. Starting in verse 9. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. These are important for us to know. In Christ dwells all the fullness of God. This, this is one of the things that, that Paul wants us to remember. That in him, there is everything. Second one is that we are complete in him. Verse 10. In Christ, we're complete. We lack nothing. We need to know that in Christ is all the fullness and that we are complete in him. Another a third point is that the body of sins in us, our sins, they were put off. We don't carry our sin any longer. They were put off in Jesus. The fourth thing, we were buried with him in baptism. We died with him. As, as we were baptized, we died. So the fifth thing, which is good if we died, we get raised again. This isn't one of those four times down and three times up baptisms. We, we get raised with Christ, so we're alive in Him. Sixth point, we were made alive, so we raised up and we were made alive together with Him. We're not alive on our own. We weren't just baptized because we wanted to be baptized. We were baptized into Him. We were made alive in Him, and that's, that's a key. Seventh, our trespasses, your trespasses, my trespasses, were forgiven. They're forgiven. They're under the blood. This is in Him. 
Number eight, the requirements of the law. This is verse 14. So we're almost back to where we're starting today. The requirements of the law were wiped out. They were erased. We don't have to live according to the law. And remember the, the word from a couple weeks ago, they would write on these on the papyrus and they would write and they would be able to wash them off with water and so they could use that again. The requirements that the law told us to keep have been cleaned off. They've been wiped it clean. We don't need to do that. They were taken out of the way, verse 14. And then in verse 15, we see that principalities and powers were disarmed. Principalities and powers were disarmed. They have no power over us. Remember, a couple weeks ago, the analogy was Satan has a gun with no bullets. Don't be afraid of his unloaded gun. He's all threat. Christ disarmed Satan. And if we're in Christ, Satan has no power over us. So these things happen. So now Paul writes on. So these, keep in mind, Colossians, keep in mind, Christian Center, these things happen. So let no one judge you. And he moves on. And we, have, we find the first warning. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. This group of people were trying to put the Gentiles into a new religion. And part of that religion contained Judaism, parts of Judaism. And they were judging the Gentiles for not keeping certain holy days, for not eating things or for actually for eating certain types of food. And so he says, don't let anyone judge you for the foods, for the drinks, for the festivals that you're not keeping, for the new moon or the Sabbaths. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ set us free. We have been set free and no one can judge you in regard to the law. No one can judge us in regard to the things that are put upon us. Now this was specifically talking about the law. Don't let anyone judge you. The law was fulfilled in Christ. But for us, we tend to walk right back into the law. We tend to, and we make up our own rules and regulations. We have lots of them in the church. Many years ago, well, not that many, there was, there was a lot of churches who, who took on the thing that you couldn't, well, some churches you couldn't, men couldn't wear short sleeves. And I know some people who feel, still follow these rules. Men have to wear long sleeves. Women cannot wear makeup, cannot cut their hair. Women only half can wear dresses. You can't watch movies. You can't go bowling. Bowling was one of the rules. Anyone remember that one? Can't go bowling. Okay. These are rules that have been in, in some of our lifetime and still people are practicing. Let no one judge you according to these rules. Now, does that make everything something we should go out and do? No. Don't, don't get lost in that. But let no one judge you. We're free in Christ. We're free from sin. We're not free to sin, but we're free from sin. We're free from judgment. We don't, ha we don't get judged by anyone else because Christ died for our sins and he set us free. So people can't judge us for, that, for keeping the law. And Christ is no longer judging us for salvation. We're free from the requirements of the law, which really means that we're free to love God freely. This is where he's really trying to bring us. 
We're free to love God freely, not under compulsion, not by keeping certain rules and regulations. We're free to love God without any man-made rules. Doesn't mean we get to love God, though, on our own terms. We don't just get to love God on our own terms. When you love someone, you must love them on their terms. They won't receive it as love. One of the classes we've done around here, and a book that I, I highly recommend is The Love Languages. It can really revolutionize relationships when you understand how people receive love. But we don't just get to, to love God the way we want to. That is really selfishness. When we say, I'm only going to love you this way. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you receive it. I don't care if you like that. Some people have some crazy ways and ideas of what love is. Same with God. You don't get to love God any way you want. You have to find out, God, how do you want me to love you? And he'll walk us through that process. So what we find here is now we have the first warning and tying into the second point. The first point was, which I, I didn't, was the basis of our freedom. All those nine things, that's the basis of our freedom. We were free. The second point is there's a bondage of legalism. He's talking about legalism, and legalism is bondage. It is real bondage. When you're trying to keep the code, keep the law, keep our own new Christian law, you're under bondage. And here's an example of a man I deeply respected, but was still under the bondage of new Christian law. He was an elder in a church. We were going to do an outreach, and we were going to show the passion of the Christ. And he grew up in the, Pente in the United Pentecostal, came out, got saved, understood that, that Christ was part of the Trinity, and that's, that's part of the thing. But he came out of the holiness movement. So when we did this outreach of showing the passion of the Christ at the church, he says, I can't be there because I don't think you should show a movie in the church. He was in bondage. Now, I respected him in the sense that if he were to go against his conscience, that he would be sinning against himself. My prayer would be that he'd get free and then come. But he was in bondage to legalism. Legalism ties us up. It's not free. And we have a lot of legalism that creeps into the church today. It, Acts chapter 15 says that the law was a yoke around the neck. Galatians 5 says that the law was a yoke of bondage. When you're in a yoke, you're attached to something. You don't get to make your own decisions. The yoke is that piece of wood that holds two oxen together. You don't get to go anywhere. You're in bondage to that yoke. The law was the same thing. Today, we have a legalism in our own lives at times that keeps us in bondage. We need to break free from that. Do you know the Old Testament laws? They were in major bondage. 613 laws is what I, what I find. Of all the different dietary laws, all the ceremonial laws, all the priestly laws, 613. Now, so you might find some other numbers. and we can, I, I've never gone and tried to find them all, but this is from other people who did. That's a lot of laws to keep. And, and already this morning... All of us, I think, have failed. Because I bet you all of us, one of our pieces of garment have been woven with two different types of material. We're all lawbreakers. 
Can you imagine trying to keep 613 laws? Dietary laws, holy days. This is what the verse 16 was talking about. Sabbath. Pastor Jeff looked into my notes apparently and talked about that. Today's not the Sabbath. We don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on the first day of the week. The, the, one of the laws was to keep the Sabbath. And they didn't just say keep it holy as God wanted us to keep it holy. They went in and prescribed how many steps you could take on the Sabbath. There was a certain number of steps that you could take. You couldn't cook any food. You couldn't do anything. And, and now the Gentiles were getting judged for that. We worship on Sunday because it's the first day of the week. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So when we celebrate and come together on church, to church... It's because we're commemorating and celebrating that Jesus is alive and so are we. And you've got to keep holy days. You have to eat this food. You cannot eat this food. The law, Galatians really teaches us, if you want to understand more fully the, the law, read Galatians and, and Paul's rebuttal, rebuke to the Galatians church because they were all going back under legalism and the law. But it teaches us in Galatians chapter 4 that the law was like a schoolmaster. And it, and it just kept us at bay. And we were never fully mature under the law. And it would just tell us how to live. But until we became of age, we had to follow the law. Go ahead and go with Galatians chapter 4 with me real quick. Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The law was there as a schoolmaster teaching us, keeping us in line until the right time. The right time didn't come until Christ came and set us free from that. And then we became an heir and not a slave, not a child under the law. So what does that mean? Is the Old Testament, with that theology, then we can say, really, then why do we even need the Old Testament? Let's just not read it. And some of you might do that. Like, yeah, I just don't get into the Old The Old Testament is extremely important for us to read and to understand. And there's a, just a few reasons I'm going to give. One is that the Old Testament teaches us about the absolute holiness of God. It's so important that we understand all of the law, all of the things you see, even the, the deaths when God would send plagues or when he would have the, the Israelites kill the people was declaring he is holy, absolutely holy. The other point that he declared in the Old Testament is that man is absolutely depraved. The absolute depravity of man. Depravity, depraved, means that we are ungodly. We are wicked. We are degenerate. And that's the message of the Old Testament saying God is holy and we cannot keep the law. Throughout that we, we see man's attempt to come to God and it's failed and failed and failed until Christ comes. Now 1 Timothy 1.8 says the law is good if a man uses it properly. The law should never be used to enslave us again but to help us to see God's holiness and our need for a savior. We need to read it. We need to read it often but with the lens, with that lens. Verse 
So as we go into the, the, the second warning, it comes under legalism also as we're going down in back to Colossians chapter 2. It says, let no one cheat you of your reward. There's the second warning. Let no one cheat you. And that falls under the, the, the point of that, le that legalism is bondage also. And here the, the word cheat means to declare unworthy of a prize. The reward is not talking about our salvation. I don't believe that's what it's talking about. The reward is the prize that we get as, as Christians. Now, many Christians, including myself in the past, had this idea, and I think it was a false humility, that says, you know, I don't need any rewards from God. And we would just say, you know, he, we'd hear about the, the, crown, the, the jewels in our crown and the rewards. And, and we'd say, you know, I'm saved. That's enough. I don't need anything else. But the point of these rewards is, is not to show them off and say, look at me. I got a reward. But as you serve Christ, as you're faithful, you're rewarded. Don't let anyone come in and cheat you of your reward. And how do you get cheated? By getting, being enslaved back in bondage to legalism. When you do the works for Christ out of legalism, out of that compulsion that I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do that, there's no reward in that. It's out of legalism. But at times, the things that you do legalistically should still be done, but from a different heart motive. And when you do those out of the heart motive you receive a reward. Don't let anyone cheat you out of reward and bondage to have to fulfill anything. Salvation is enough, but God has more. God has more. And the idea, if, if, that, if this is you who says, I, do, I have a problem with the reward thing, I'm going to put it into a picture that I believe will cure you. A man gets married to a woman, and the man says, I'm married, that's enough. I'm never going to do anything to honor her, love her. I'm just married, and I'm good. How about him for a husband, ladies? Do we just get saved and go, God, I'm saved, that's enough? It's crazy. What do we do when, when you're married? We say, I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to serve you. We're going to live together. I'm going to learn more about you. I'm going to make you, what are the promises? I'm going to make you the happiest person on earth. You've made me the happy, I'm going to make you the happiest person on earth. And you do these things not because your father-in-law or your spouse is there keeping notes and they're whipping you into order. Shouldn't be that way. If, if that's your issues, we can, you know, Pastor Jeff and Floyd, some of these people can come and counsel you guys in marriage and... <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a, a relationship where you love to love each other and you want to serve each other. That's not legalism. That's a love relationship. Let no one cheat you. Don't go into it under, under legalism and bondage. Do it for love. As we go in in the chapter here, it lists a whole bunch of things that... Paul was talking to the Colossian church. He's, gonna, he's just going to kind of skim through this, pick some of these things out. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility. That's a big thing in the church. 
I was having a conversation with Candle Weaver the other day, and I forget how it all started. And I, I, anyway, I said, you know, she, she said something about being humble and doing something. I said, you know, I, I really appreciate that, Candle, because, you know, I'm the most humble guy in Big Bear. <laughs> you know, there's false humility as we, we humble ourselves, but really our hearts are trying to exalt ourselves. Worship of angels. I'm just going to hit these really quick. This was an issue for them. It's an issue today. Angels and saints, they're not worthy of worship. The Bible says that angels are our servants. God sends them to serve man. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. They had the same problem. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. When you go into legalism and upholding, upholding the law, it's very easy to say things like, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I don't watch movies, and I don't drink, and I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with girls that do. And it's all about us. We're vainly puffed up about all the things that we can do for Christ. What does it say about them? Verse 19, they don't hold fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments and grows with the increase that is from God. We can't grow from our own increase. We don't really grow from doing things for God. We grow because we are, we are in Christ and we grow in this relationship with him and then we spiritually grow. But you don't grow because you do. Because you are. There's a, there's a little side note in here that, so, that I'm just going to pull out too that it says it's nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments. I see a picture of the church. The Bible calls us the, the body of Christ and each part of the body is a member and each member has its purpose. You know, there's joints and ligaments. Part of the body of Christ are we are. And staying in fellowship with the body of Christ is also a place that we get nourished and we grow. You get a little bit rubbed the wrong way and you press in through relationships. But here's a special call out for joints and ligaments. You know, a lot of us say, you know, I, I think I'm the hand. I think I'm an arm. I'm a leg. Who says, I want to be a ligament in the body of Christ? You know, it's kind of an unseen, weird part of the body. But who's ever torn a ligament? It hurts. And without your ligaments, your body doesn't quite function as well. We need people, even though their giftings may not be up front. No one really knows the ligaments. But they're important. The people sitting next to you are going to help you grow. They're going to pray for you. They're going to encourage you. When I saw that, I said, oh, Lord, thank you for the ligaments and the joints. That is not a approval for, for anybody to go home and say, Lord, thank you for this joint. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that got on the recording. <laughs> the increase is from God. Verse 20, it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, 
Why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Remember, we died. We're free. We're alive in Christ. So why, as Christians, do we subject ourselves to rules again? He set us free from that. Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle. Which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Verse 23. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, humility and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. We don't live under the rules, don't touch, don't handle. The third warning is wrapped up in this last section, and it's let no one enslave you. Don't become a slave to living the right way. Don't become a slave to doing for Christ. Because there's no freedom there. It's bondage. You can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. It's bondage. Don't get yourself under, I can't do this. I have to do that. Fall in love with Jesus. Be in Christ. Oftentimes, you'll find yourself doing the same things that legalists do. Oftentimes, you'll find yourself not doing the same things that legalists don't do, but you're doing them for the right reason. Don't be enslaved to bondage of having to do, but be in Christ. Know His heart, and He'll lead you into the things that He desires you to grow in. And the things that He says, you know what? You can put away that sin. You can put away that activity. Walk in this. He'll lead you to do things, not out of compulsion, but he'll lead you to do things like come and help clean the church on work day. But there's a reason. Because when you come together, it was so much fun yesterday. We worked hard, but we bonded together. And there's something that just happens. And Christ can lead you into doing things in him rather than doing things for him. If you struggle with that, say, God, help me out of my legalism. We don't want to do that. We want to serve him and live in him. The last part, the third part of the message, there was three, there was three warnings. Let no one judge you. Let no one cheat you. Let no one enslave you. And there were three points. The basis of our freedom the bondage of legalism, and the blessing of grace. For the blessing of grace, you have to come back next week. You know, find who we are in Christ, and that's an ongoing thing in our lives. God has given us grace. We're free in Him. And when you're free, you're free indeed. Life changes. We're not just free from going to hell. Thank God for that. But we can have freedom in our lives of, of not being controlled by our flesh. We can have freedom in our lives by not being controlled by our mind that says, I have to live a certain way or nobody will like me. There's so many blessings of the grace of God. We're going to get into it further next week as we start chapter 3. Talking about being raised with Christ. Setting our minds on those things and seeing life through His eyes and not our own. Let's stand as we pray today.
God doesn't give us license to sin, but He wants to set us free. If this is any part, this is a great time to just do business with God as we pray. God, I believe most of us in this room can struggle with legalism. Looking at others and saying they shouldn't be doing those things and they should be doing these things. Looking at ourselves and chastising ourselves. Trying to live a certain way. Following the rules. God, help us to understand our place in you. Forgive us for looking at others and making them follow what we think is right. Forgive us for putting laws on ourselves that you did not ask us to put onto ourselves. Father, I thank you for freedom that's in you. I thank you for blessings of grace. That not only are we saved, but there's joy, there's life, there's peace in the Holy Ghost. God, that you send Jesus in the world to give us life and life to the full. Help us to walk away from legalistic Christianity and embrace you and fall in love with you afresh to know your true heart and not the heart that we think you have. So God, give us a passion for your word. Give us a, a passion that comes from the heart to spend time with you. And God, begin to change our own filters, the way we read our, the word. Help us to see everything through your eyes. God, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for forgiveness, and I thank you for life abundant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.